Welcome to Archery Talk 101 podcast, your guide to better archery skills. We'll bring you the latest tips, tricks, and expert advice, but that's not all. We'll also have interviews with top archers and industry professionals and reviews of the latest gear and equipment and much more. Have you heard of the Archery Talk 101 Facebook group? You should come join us and watch and interact with the podcast as recorded. You can do this in real time. You can interact with the show, ask questions, and participate in the show. So you want to shoot a bow and you want to go to college at the same time. Hi, my name is Rory Canterbury. I'm going to be your host today on Arch Talk 101. And we have somebody on the line with us that is going to be able to answer that question. What is it like to shoot archery in college? Uh, Jesse, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Uh, thank you, Rory. My name is Mark Elam, and I'm very happy to be here. So it, it, your, your thing come up with Jesse on, on the screen. <laughs> Uh, Jesse Chavez is our athletic trainer here at the college that, that covers the archery team, and sometimes <laughs> mine shows as, as his name, so I apologize. Oh, oh okay, all right, Mark, well, sorry about that, but uh, um, I guess I should have got that clarified before we started the call. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, how and why you got started in archery. Sure. Um, I, I am an old man now, but... Uh, I started shooting when I was, I don't know, five or six years old, um, and I can't remember the model of the bow. I remember it was a small white bear compound, um, shot it with wooden arrows, and would, uh, would walk through the woods and, and shoot trees or stumps or whatever I could come up with, uh, because even at that age, I was really interested in deer hunting. And um, so, you know, as, as I got into my teenage years, started really getting serious about deer hunting. And uh, my first, what I'll call my first real bow was the original bear whitetail hunter. And uh, shot with that for, for a long time. And one of my high school principals, his name's Ronnie Branscombe. And uh, I wanna make sure and give Ronnie a shout out because he's been responsible for a lot of archery things throughout my life. Um, but Ronnie was a competitor and he was a, a multi-time state champion back in the late 60s, early 70s. And Ronnie took myself and my high school best friend at the time, Vic Adams, under his wing. And he taught us how to shoot, how to be accurate. And, of course, we were shooting those bows with fingers. And, we, you know, we'd shoot with a glove. And I remember distinctly I had a, a sock filled with baby powder that I hung off my belt. And I reached down and tapped that baby powder sock with my glove to make it slick and, and shoot that way. And it was just so much fun. And so you know, I hunted for years and years and didn't really get started in competitive archery until 21 or 22 years ago. Uh, my wife and I started at the same time. Um, and along about, you know, I don't know, a year or so into that process, uh, we started coaching and, and working with young people, and we've just taken it from there. And we've been through several different organizations. Uh, and now I'm, you know, I've been the, the head coach at Lindsey Wilson College uh, for their archery program. This is my fourth season, and uh, just very, very rewarding. Love every second of it. Yeah, it's, it's nice. You know, I, I've been uh, coaching since 95, and it, it's always nice to see you know a new archer that's never shot a bow 
all of a sudden start hitting what they're aiming at. It, it just, it, it, you know, I want them to shoot better than me. <laughs> yeah, as, as I get older, my eyesight's not as good and I can't see them targets very far away. So shooting long distance is kind of out for me, but, you know, hunting, <laughs> you know, 10 or 20 yards, all you need for hunting. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, the, the, the farthest shot that I've ever taken on a deer and it actually worked, was 43 yards up in Illinois. Uh, I killed a, a real nice little eight-pointer up there the first year that, that my wife and I hunted up there. And, um, you know, that was a, a wide-open shot. The deer was relaxed, so I was comfortable taking that shot. Uh, today, you know, at, at 57 years old, I don't know that that I would take that shot anymore. Yeah, that's a long shot. My, my first deer I shot was 40 yards I was up in a tree about 20 feet to get over some brush and I was shooting just a um, 52 pound bow with, um, I think it was 2117 arrows full length, you know, big old heavy tip on it. It was right. not very fast, but it almost went clean, clean through the deer. I could see, <laughs> I seen most of the, the arrows sticking out the other side and, yep. you know, you don't need high, high poundage and it, it's, it's all shot placement and, Right. That's where a good coach is going to help you. Ab absolutely. You know, it's my wife, um, you know, we, we've both gotten so busy in the last few years that our, our time hunting has really slowed down. Uh, but, you know, she, you know, I don't know. I can't tell you how many deer she's killed, you know, shooting a, a, a 50 pound compound boat, you know, and usually it's at 48 or 49 pounds. And she killed a, an eight pointer in Illinois that uh, field dressed almost 270 pounds with a 50 pound bow and at the time shooting an Eastern light speed era that probably didn't weigh 300 grains. <laughs> yeah. Pass through, you know, and it, you're right. It's all about shot placement. Yeah. I, I've had some where I, I go through the shoulder, shoulder blade a lot. And I had one, it was 10 yards, 70 pound bow, you know, not a super heavy arrow, but it just bounced off that that one plate that's in that shoulder. I hit that one one little spot that's that was there, and it just you know basically scratched it a couple of inches right. in, and that was about it. And it, right. it ran off. Yep, yeah. I've had the same thing happen. Yeah, I try not to, but it seems like I go through that lower part of that shoulder blade a lot. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Not where I want them to go, but you know that's how it goes. You know, sometimes right. you, you get there a little bit, and yeah. that's why we call it staff and killing, right? Yeah. So, um, tell us a little bit about um, you know coaching at a college level. Uh, very different. Um, you know, we we've coached from elementary through high school for years. My wife and I have together. And um, there, there are a definite set of challenges with collegiate archery. Um, there's a lot of benefits as well. But, um, you know, for the, for the first time, you know, all of a sudden I found myself with a co-ed team of over 40 young athletes that, you know, we, we travel. And that, you know, when, when you've got college-age co-eds on the road, that brings a new set of challenges and you know, that you have to, you, you have to really pay attention to. But 
in all honesty, I would have to say that that's probably the only downside to it. And once you figure out how to deal with that challenge, it, it's not a challenge anymore. Um, so, you know, when we come in at the first of the semester, we lay out the, the expectations for the team. And uh, we, we have a definite set of rules and consequences that, that we let be known. And as long as there's accountability and everybody's on the same page, then you avoid most of the issues right from the very beginning. Uh, but, you know, once, once you get past that and you start to experience collegiate archery for what it really is, I've never seen, and I love shooting a bow always have but i've never seen anything that's more fun than what collegiate archery is especially when you get into the match play you know the head-to-head -head eliminations the mixed team matches the team matches, there is as much energy in those team matches as you'll see at an ncaa final four championship basketball game and when we get back on the bus at the end of the day after the team matches after the match play there's not a voice left on that bus. And if there were, I would be disappointed. You know, that it's just a, a new energy that most people aren't used to with archery. And it's so much fun. And, and when, you know, just like any other discipline in archery, when you, you take that young person that, that may have struggled some, you know, whether it be, those dreaded two words that I don't like to say that start with target <laughs> panic and you see them start to overcome that and do well. And, you know, even somebody 22, 23 years old, that's still in college and they, they start to get over that and you start to see that light come back in their eyes and that smile on their face, you know, it, it just, it makes it all worthwhile. So, you know, speaking of target panic, that that is something that, you know, plagued a lot of people. What is it you go through to help them get over that? It honestly depends on the athlete and their personality. Uh, a lot of it is blank bailing, blind bailing, and, you know, sometimes several thousand shots to reset the muscle memory. A lot of it is is mental. And, you know, the mental coaching is a lot harder than than the physical coaching is but you know we we do a lot of work and a lot of talk with um, mantras and affirmations and you know the lanny basham system and some of those other things that you know we we watch a lot of um, a lot of coaching videos from coaches other than myself you know jake kaminsky um, brady ellison some of those type people Paige pierce aaron mcglattery you know, shout out to those people that have been a big help to us. Um, but they each have something different to offer as far as particularly the way that the mental programming works. And, um, you know, the, the mantras and affirmations have been a really big one for us. Um, you know, we encourage these kids to write out their mantras and affirmations on post-it notes and stick them around their dorm room or their apartment walls where they see them every day. You know, some of them, will actually record themselves citing their mantras and affirmations and play those when they're practicing by themselves. You know, any of those kinds of things really, really help. 
but you know, I guess by and large, the aiming drills and the blind bailing and blank bailing probably are our go-tos as much as anything else. Now, I, I know some of our listeners may not uh, know what the blind bailing is. Uh, maybe you could uh, explain that for our listeners to, to understand what it is you're doing for that. Sure, absolutely. With blind bailing, we, we don't put a target face on the bale. They just step up and, you know, sometimes as, as close as, you know, eight or 10 feet from the target. And I'll typically have them close their eyes while they're going through a blind bailing session and just feel the process and work through the process. And a lot of times myself or, or somebody on my coaching staff or either another one of the athletes will stand there and kind of talk them through the process. You know, um, when you take your, your recurve shooters, for instance, with um, the, the KSL shot cycle, which is what Coach Kesey Lee from the Olympic archery team uh, teaches, you know, we'll actually go through the steps, uh, set, set up, load, anchor, transfer, expand, and follow through. And a lot of times if Coach Lee calls the verbal process of that the software of archery or the actually thinking through the steps, the software of archery, and I found that that really helps. And a lot of times if they go through the software, then it takes their mind off of the actual target itself and can really help to eliminate those issues. And you know, anybody that has ever stood around me much, especially when we're in a competitive situation in a tournament and the pressure, the stakes are high, you know, they'll hear me say over and over and over again, trust the process trust the process, trust yourself, trust the process, and try to get them thinking about the individual steps of their form and execution. Um, so blind bailing is simply without a target face. Blank bailing is without a target face as well, but typically with their eyes open. So blind bailing to me is eyes closed and feeling it. Uh, blank bailing is eyes open and feeling it and actually watching the process as it unfolds. Yeah, I know when I first learned back tension release, they took us up close enough. There was like 20 of us on the line at one time, and we're close enough. We can bend over, reach, grab our arrows, pull them out, and we're shooting with our eyes closed. And then finally starting to feel it and open your eyes, and your form all goes away. And then you close your eyes. They could finally shoot with their eyes open and, and, and feel the same thing. And I know when I was teaching, a lot of times I would have them draw back, get their anchor point, finger off the trigger way up high, and I says, okay, your only job is to aim. I'm going to pull the trigger whenever I want to. And nine times out of 10, when I pull that trigger, it hits right in the center because all I had to do was aim. They didn't right. think about shooting. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of different techniques that, you know, I've learned over the years and you've learned over the years to, you know, help people through that. And, you know, one of the things that I've seen a lot of people do is we probably see them too, start with the finger way high and just cram on that trigger as hard as they can you know from four or five inches away and and you know i kind of look at target panic is you know your your pin's going to float across your target nobody's going to hold it perfectly still some get really close but it's going to move a little bit and you know i kind of like in the target panic is you see the pin go across the target your mind says pull the trigger and it moves off and your mind says no don't shoot and you just jerk back 
And if you're not using your finger to pull the trigger, you can't have that scenario going on. And and I found there's just just a lot of things that, you know, you get that trigger in there nice and deep and, and, you know, use your back and you don't pull the trigger. Right. Right. The, the first one that ever did that with me was Tim Strickland out of Colorado. And uh, Tim's a former Olympic coach as well. And he was working with us, golly, it's been 18 or 20 years ago. And he did the exact same thing. He had me draw an anchor and I was shooting a wrist strap index release at the time. Right. And he said, put your finger, you know, get your finger off the trigger and just aim. And, and he actually activated the trigger and it was probably the first truly surprise release that I had ever experienced. I was like, holy cow, this is, and still to this day, you know, I, I catch myself if I'm shooting a trigger release, I will still tend to punch the crap out of that release sometimes. <laughs> to punch a release, I have found it, I promise you. Um, but, you know, that that helps with the coaching side of it too because I can actually identify a lot of times when somebody, even even though they're really good at faking it, um, you know, and I, I watch these kids that come out of NASP that are shooting barebow or recurve, and they'll anchor, and you'll watch them. They'll release, and then, uh, uh-uh, we're <laughs> this nasty fake the coach out game you know we're really going to get in our back um, right but it, it's it's fun to to go through those and and watch them come out the other side yeah i know i've seen people you know you, when you're really sure i'm supposed to go back you know mine doesn't go all the way back just just my body doesn't do that and i've seen people shoot the targets in the air the target has already been hit by the arrow and then the hand goes flying back yep. <laughs> 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 you know it's like no that's not what you're supposed to do it's supposed to be natural reaction you know and and when it really happens for real is when i was down at psc at their dealer school one of the guys down there he shoots the big gorilla ones like 90 pounds and he was shooting and you know when he, it's a release you know that much weight your hand flies back well this guy was watching him watching him shoot and stood behind him when he released he got smacked because the hand, he was so close coming, his hand hit him. It's like, you don't stand directly behind an archer that close. <laughs> right. Especially if you watch him shoot and know that hand comes back. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, that was, that was an interesting story when he told me that. You know, that was, I, I don't shoot that kind of weight. I shoot about 70 pounds because I found when I'm shooting at 60, it doesn't lock me into my form, you know, with the let off. You know, that, that 70 pounds, that little extra is enough that forced me to lock into my form a little better. But, you know, as I get a little older, it's they're a little bit tougher to shoot that way. But Amen. So what, uh, what has been the most challenging uh, for you in developing your archery skills? For me personally? Yes. Oh, man, that's a really good question. Um, I think mine, honestly, is pin movement. I, I struggle with pin float, and I think a lot of people struggle with the same thing, especially those of us that have a rifle or handgun background. Uh, you know, we, we really, really struggle with pin movement, and um, even today, I struggle with it to a point. So I have... For, for myself personally and, and what I try to teach my athletes is put the pin on the target 
and then forget the pen. Look through the pen, stare at the dot, stare at your spot. You know, whether it's a 3D target, it's a crease, it's a shadow, it's a mud spot, whatever your reference is on a target, stare at the spot and allow your subconscious to execute the shot for you. And honestly, Roy, that's one of the hardest things in the world to do. Uh, and it's one of the hardest things in the world to teach. But it, you know, it, it that is what it takes to truly be a, a, a really, really good archer. Because just like you said a minute ago, there's not a person in the world that's going to keep that pin dead steady on the crosshairs of that X in the middle of that target. Um, the closest one I've ever seen is Chance Bobeth. You know, Chance has very, very, very little movement, but Chance will tell you himself, you know, his pin still floats. It may float inside that X-ring, but it still floats, and you just have to allow that float to happen and execute the shot. And, you know, the, the brain is a very powerful organ, and, you know, most 100% of the time, it will put that pin back where it needs to be when the shot breaks. Yeah, I've, I've seen that where it's like, Man, it looked like a bad shot, but you know what? It was a good shot after all. And right. I know what you mean about, you know, coming from the gun world. Um, I shot on a rifle team for three years in high school, you know, shooting 22s. And, you know, there you have your your 10 ring is a dot. Your nine ring is the diameter of the 22. So you can't be off by more than half the distance of a, a you know, 22, you know, which is, you know, you can't be more than off by, by more than a tenth of an inch. You right. know, and you're you're dropping your your scores, and you know then when I go shoot my rifles, you know I, you know I when I'm testing out a new load or something because I reload as well, and you know I'm testing out a load I've got on the bags and you know I, I you know last time I set up mine I my scope I could zoom way in on my scope and I can put my crosshairs in the middle of the previous hole, you know and stick the next one there, I can't do that with a bow because I can't hold steady because I got to use my muscles and right. joints and tenons and everything else and um as you get older it's harder to hold steady you know before you're younger you got good balance and good control the older you you don't have as much balance and um you know so it you know it's a struggle as you get older but you know in high school that's uh um, you know we'll call a different story <laughs> right right you know and uh, i found before I took the position here at Lindsey Wilson, I was actually working in law enforcement and we had to qualify with all of our weapons once a year. And I never considered myself to be a good pistol shot, but I started taking the things that I had learned in archery about pin float and movement and allowing your subconscious to take over and applied that to the handgun. Uh, you know, same deal. You know, you've got extension. There's, not you're you're not perfectly steady you know look at the front ramp on the site and then look through the front ramp at the target and execute and i found that my pistol scores increased probably tenfold you know when i applied the archery lessons into shooting a handgun it's it's not like shooting a rifle off a bench rest where you have crosshairs on the bags or the clamps or whatever and everything's steady you have to trust the process trust your brain to, to take up the slack for you sometimes. Yeah, and it's, you know, both kind of correlate between shooting a handgun and a bow because you want to extend, you know, your whole force is directly in, in line with your target. And, and, you know, that's the way I teach, you know, in the compounds as well is, 
that forehorn that's holding that bow, when you shoot, it should point towards the target, not right. off to the side or anything else. If it points off to the side, now you're pulling it and you consistently pull it off to the side. But can you consistently push straight toward the target? And one of the things that I did, you know, when I was, you know, doing a lot of shooting is I had a string that was the same length as my draw length. So I'm back and I have a string and it's on the thumb. And when I shoot, if my if that string leaves my hand, I'm pushing straight to the target. If it hangs up on my thumb, I'm pulling it to the one side or the other. And you just a little something, I'm having trouble. What's going on? I grab that string. And then once it starts shooting off my hand like it's supposed to, okay, I've, I've fixed whatever was off of my form. And, you know, with many years of martial arts, I kind of incorporated the martial arts into my archery, you know, because I, back in the 80s, I started, I took martial arts for about 20 years. And, you know, and then learning archery, I learned back tension release in archery in 95. Now I started off kind of like, like you, I started off with a Ben Pearson fiberglass recurve bow, uh, 25 pounds. You didn't have an option of aluminum arrows. It was wood or wood. Right. Um, you might you might have different, different types of wood, uh, but it was wood arrows. And then it wasn't until the 70s when compounds come out. And my brother bought one of the whitetail too. And I started shooting that. And, and I'm thinking, I think that was either in high school or college. I think I was, I think it was in college. I was shooting that bow at the archery classes, you know, doing some of that. And then, you know, I shot for many years and finally become a coach and you know, it's a lot of fun, and and doing doing this podcast is a lot of fun. Yeah, and what you mentioned uh, martial arts, I thought it was really interesting when I was going through my USA Level Four training with Coach Lee. One of the things that he said through that at, at some point through that three month process, whatever it was to get through the Level Four, was that he does not consider archery a shooting sport. He considers it a martial art because it is all about movement. And that has really stuck with me since then. And it's one of the one of the things that we really work with at the collegiate level is, is the movement that's involved. And you know, he talks a lot about angular movement, which you really can't do well with a compound, but with a right. you know, everything's angular and around the spine. But even with a compound, we still talk about the angular movement of you know uh, activating the release around the spine instead of trying to pull straight back or trying to pull down or rotate your release hand to make the release fire is that movement around the spine uh, but yeah all, all about movement and i think it truly is an art like the martial arts yeah and there's a lot of things that incorporate in there together between you know, in, in martial, I did Hapkido, so there's a lot of joint locks and throws and stuff, but it also did punches and kicks and everything else. And, you know, when you get ready to break a board or something, if you don't go straight through that to your target, which is the other side of the board, you're going to hurt yourself. It's not going to break. Right. But when you go through it, it don't hurt, you know, because you went through, you direct your force straight, straight to the target. And the same thing with Archie. That's why I see a lot of people you know, they, they have that arm that way in front of them. So, you know, instead of being off straight off to the side, they're off this way. And when they shoot, the hand goes up the outside. Yeah. And, and, and I've seen a lot of, you know, some of the other coaches are starting to do the same thing. Just, you know, that really bent over. And it's like, how you can't, that hand moves off to the side. 
And I just don't see how that would would work good. But you know, I've seen people with real bad form shoot really good. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, it you know, like, like you've probably seen as well as I have, it's like, okay, this is the way I do it. This is what I'm gonna teach you, and I'm gonna modify it for you. Because your body's different than mine. Uh, all your students are different. Um, you know, as you get older, we might have to change things, you know, younger, you might, and it's just all kinds of different things. And, and you know, there's, there's really nothing preventing you from shooting a bow. Right. Um, just, just look at Matt Stutzman. Yeah, no kidding. I, I've, I've met him in, in Nebraska. He come up, we have uh um outdoor expo every year and i went and volunteered for it this last year and he was there and i got to sit down and chat with him for a while and you know no arms yep. and he shoots a bow just fine and inspiration right and i know i was at a, a shoot that we had here at one of the the parks down here in nebraska and twice i seen somebody walking around with a bow in their hand and no other arm from the shoulder down was gone. One was missing the right, one was missing the left. And, and like, and then I looked, it's like, oh, I'll get a little, little chew tab on it. They grab the thing and, and pull back and shoot. But, you know, there's there's no excuses to not shoot. Uh, right. I had one guy I taught that had uh, uh, Parkinson's and he couldn't have, I normally teach with a little bit of a bend in the arm so the arm can extend. But if he did that, he shook so much he couldn't shoot. So we had to modify it a little bit to fit him. Uh, because if he locked his arm out, he could shoot. We we had one young lady uh, that came in my first year here that had uh, no use of her right arm. She had an arm, but had no use of it. And she was shooting with a mouth tab, just like you're describing when she came in. But in order to shoot 50 meters, which is required for the outdoor target discipline, you know, she could not draw enough weight using that that mouth tab and a compound bow right. to get to 50 meters. So uh, there was a group that I got with in Florida that actually built her a harness system with um, we what release did we use? We used it was a, one of the true ball releases. I can't remember which one, but the harness strapped over her shoulder and around her body. And there was a release aid. It was an index trigger release aid that was set off of the shoulder harness and had a, uh, a flat piece of metal that came out and, and touched her chin. And as she would rotate to use her back, it would, it would push that flat piece of metal and activate the release. So if she wasn't actually shooting with back tension, the release just was not gonna fire at all. <laughs> That was one of the neatest experiences that I've ever been through was working with her and, and watching her learn and adapt. And adaptive archery is something that I am really, really interested in. Now, I don't have too much of an opportunity to work with it now, um, but that was so neat. And there's a, a man in Kentucky out of Georgetown, Kentucky, that shoots with us quite a bit. His name's Tim Shepard, and Tim has been a barebow shooter for years. Uh, that was in a horrible motorcycle accident years ago. And he now shoots with a mouth tab and he's training in Olympic recurve to try to get to the Paralympics. Um, it, it's just so neat. To, and, and you'll find that those people are so willing to help. The, the people that have been through different ways of adaptive archery 
are so willing to help others that need adaptive archery in order to be able to enjoy the sport. And it's just really, really neat to be a part of that sometimes. Yeah, it is. There's just so many things that you can teach and do. And um, I remember one time this guy called up the shop when I had my archery shop and says, hey, can you set my bow up to shoot two arrows at the same time? He called the other the other two shops in town and they says, no. They just thought I said, no. I'm like, well, why do you want to do that? And so he come in and, and fortunately it was one of those not the new ones with the center shot riser. It was the old style where you could use the stick on rests. Mm -hmm. So we put two rests on there and we played around and what is, he was a motivational speaker and he wanted to shoot two arrows and pop two balloons or something and, and get the kid's attention, you know, shooting two arrows. Hey, you're going to get kids attention one right. way or another, just shooting the bow is going to do it, but shooting two arrows. And so we went through all kinds of different scenarios you know, adjusting the flexing up and down and, and knock points. And he wanted to shoot a release, so he needed to have a loop on there. So we tried, okay, we'll put a loop in the middle between them. That did, didn't give us consistent grouping. Uh, we put it below, it didn't work. Above, it didn't work. The only way it worked is put it above the top one and below the bottom one. So now you pull straight. And we, I learned so much about, you know, the right way to put a loop on, you know, and, and what really happens in there and because now we was able to shoot and uh, we are our variation between the distance between the arrows varied no more than eighth of an inch every shot we got it down that where it was consistent and you know where the impact wasn't that far apart so popping two balloons really wasn't it but you know you could shoot one target and i learned so much about that and then think about you know just physics you know you take uh um you know, take like a, a pencil or something. What's the most efficient way to push a pencil straight? Is push straight through the, from the back to the front. And that's what you're doing when you put a loop on above and below your knock is you're shooting straight. Now, if you put a, a, a put a knock point on there, now you're not directly above and below it. That's why I never put a knock point on uh, because those knots, when I tie them on, the way I tie them on, you have to cut them off. You can't untie them. <laughs> So they're not moving. And now you're pushing straight from the, the knock to the tip and you get your best arrow flight. And every time I've set a bow up that way, set up with levels and, you know, just set everything all up that way. You shoot, when I did shoot through paper, it's a perfect hole by every time. Right. But then you grip the bow as tight as you can and they get a terrible tear. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said on one of the forums I was talking about, well, he's, he's had... Two years, he's had a, a tear low on his arrow every shot. I was like, well, have somebody else shoot it because sometimes that fixes it. Right. You know, and then you know, then you know whether it's the bow or the shooter. Right. Right. I, and I do that. So we actually own a shop as well, Rhonda and I do. And uh, uh, a lot of times you'll, you know, have somebody come up and you'll work and work and work trying to get a good paper tear. And it may be a half inch right this time and a half inch low the next time and three quarters of an inch high the next time, you know, and I say, all right, let, let me shoot the bow and see if I feel anything that feels wrong with it. You know, just not to say, I, I think you're, you know, you're, you're talking the, the devil out of this bow or whatever, but mm -hmm. I feel anything off with the bow bullet hole. 
And then I, they said, well, what did you do different? Well, it's the way I gripped the bow or whatever the case happens to be to make that point. But yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah. I had one guy come in when I, when I was working at, um, I think it was Cabela's. I worked after I closed down my store, I worked at Bass Pro and in Cabela's and this guy come in, he, he, he couldn't, he couldn't group or nothing. It was just, he couldn't get his arrow. So he wanted to drop away rest. Well, you know, on a drop away rest, we have to shoot it to see if it's going to work. Right. Right. So I got the rest on, got it all set up. I went over to the range and I drew back and I shot. I drew back again, aimed at the knock. And you know what? I stuck the two arrows together. And the guy was sitting there and says, I never saw me do this. Like, yeah, well, it's not my arrow, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy coming and says, I couldn't get it to group. It's like, I stuck two arrows together with your bow, two shots with your bow. It's not the bow. Right. <laughs> it's you. Now let's work on your form. <laughs> because obviously then it's something wrong with his form you know, right because his other rest if they're set up right they're going to shoot right right you know, it doesn't matter what you're shooting you can use a drop away if it's not set up right you're not going to shoot very very well all about the consistency yep like you're talking about trust the process right here here is your step-by-step -step instructions on what to do to shoot and follow those steps you won't go wrong yep yeah, if, if we could ever just turn our brain off, turn our brain off long enough to execute 10 good shots, we would have 10 perfect X's, you know, but this, that six inches right between our ears causes so many problems. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, so, um, and we talked about your most challenging you personally, uh, what is your most rewarding personally that you've gone through in archery? Now, watching these kids learn. 100%, you know, take take a kid from teaching them to shoot a bow, go through the struggles and then win a national championship. You know, not not even necessarily a national championship, although we've had several do that, but, uh, you know, seeing them hit a PR for the first time, you know, a, a new personal best, you know, to me, no question, that is the most rewarding thing that I've ever had happen in archery. And I've been blessed to have it happen a, a lot with because we've worked with a lot of kids and it never gets old. It never gets old to see that smile on their face and, you know, and, and then come up and give you a hug, say, thanks, coach. You know, that by far the most rewarding things that's ever happened to me in archery. Yeah. And anybody that's taught archery is going to have the, the same feeling. I know when you take that person that's never shot a bow and you get them over the fear of shooting it and they shoot and the first shot goes off and it's like oh that was fun can i do it again yeah <laughs> you, you know you, you get those that it's like no i don't want to come on let's just try one shot you know and you get them all set up and they shoot and it's like oh can i do it again you yeah. know now you've got them hooked and you just get them going going and going and 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 that's you know that's a good rewarding part of it i had one lady come in one time and uh, her husband had shot you know he he shoots but she had never shot before so we got a bow down, we got her all set up. I taught her how to shoot and she come back in oh, sometime later. I forget how long it was now. She come back in and she says, yeah, I picked the spot of the X-ring I want to shoot in. And her husband started telling her stuff. It's no, I just, I got Roy sitting on my shoulder telling me what to do. And she's listening to what I told her to do and ignore her husband. <laughs> and she's out shooting him. And of course he don't like that, but she's right. out shooting him. And you know, I'll teach him how to do it too, if he wants, but 
you know, as you probably found, sometimes guys are a little harder to teach. I was actually fixing to say that. It, it seems to me like the females, the ladies pick up on it a whole lot faster. And, and it's not hard for us to take a lady and have her beating her husband in short order. It, it happens right. all the time. Well, you know, what I have seen, lots of times the guys have this attitude that I know the best. You can't teach me anything. Right. And, and I got pretty good at, you know, when I come into the store uh, and with it talking to them within just a few seconds, and then I don't, I don't help them because I can tell already that they got the attitude. I can't teach them anything and they won't learn anyway. I'm not going to waste my time with them. And then right. they come in and, and, you know, the other person, like they want to learn, you know, like I, I have the Art Shock 101 Facebook group and there we've got over 600 people in there. A lot of guys, uh, but they're open to be, to learning. That's why they join. A lot of them is like, right. they'll post like, how's my form? And I was like, and I see comments like, well, just practice more. You practice wrong, you get it better at being wrong. <laughs> you know, so I invite them into the group. And, and if we want to, you know, post a video of your shooting, hey, we'll take a look at it and we'll give you pointers. You know, I've been coached since 95 and we have people that have been shooting there for 70, 70 plus years. Right. And, and we have different levels of coaches in the group and we have brand new coaches and we have brand new archers that just get their first bow. Um, anywhere from, you know, teenagers, you know, not even out of high school yet, you know, just barely teenagers uh, in there to people in their 70s in the group. So there's all kinds of experiences in there. And, and that's why I let the group be just about archery and archery content. And, and you don't see any links in there because if you post a link, I delete it. <laughs> yeah. If you do it again, I ban you from the group. So right. it's a group that is just there. It's a safe place to talk about anything. And like I always say, the only dumb question is the one you don't ask. Amen. Amen. Because if it's a question, if you have a problem, hey, let's let's figure it out. You know, that's kind of the fun part. It's like you got a right. problem, let's figure out what's going on with it. And, you know, if, if the uh, student is open to it, we'll figure it out sooner or later. Uh, I, I think one of the traits that makes a truly, truly good archery coach is that the coach has to be a problem solver. And you right. know, one of the things over the years that you know I found about myself is I enjoy the process of solving problems. And you know, it, it may it's not always going to happen immediately. You know, I'm not necessarily going to look at you after one arrow and pick up your problems, but you know, over a course of time uh, and, and watching you shoot, learning your equipment, you know, we're going to figure some things out. And I, you, in order to, uh, again, in order to be a good coach, I think you have to be a problem solver because like you said a few minutes ago, no two people are exactly the same. So, what you know, it's not cookie cutter. What works for me may not necessarily work for Roy. You know, the, the alignment things that we try to work on, yeah, we try to do that across the board, but there are going to be difference differences based on your physicality and on your physical ability and we have to work with those things and solve those problems to you know to get you where you want to go yeah it's you know are you open you know when i get somebody to coach it's like are you open to be uh, a coachable you know are you coachable are you willing to put in the work you know a few questions like that if you're not open to be coached then i don't need to waste my time with you if you're not right. willing to put in the work 
you know, because I can say, okay, I can make you a better archer and you don't do the work. I can't make you a better archer. Right. So if you put the work in, you're going to get there. Um, I know I've, I've taught people, um, I just, you know, made them better just by looking at videos. And when I first started, there was, there was no videos, right? You know, you had the old VCR cameras. So I got to watch every shot and you got to shoot multiple times. Cause I'm going to look at one piece. I can't look at the whole thing. And now with the videos, you know, our, our phones have such good cameras on them that even the digital cameras, you got to spend lots and lots of money on digital camera to get at least as good as these. Right. I was talking to a professional photographer and she said her phone takes better pictures than her digital camera that she uses for events. But using a phone is doesn't look professional, even though it'd be better pictures. Right. <laughs> you know, you have slow motion, you have panoramic, you know, all those nice features. And that's the nice thing about now is because we can take a video of it and we can play it back and look at it different angles, take multiple shots and look at different angles, you know, from above and side front. And, and now we can see, we can slow motion, we can stop. Okay. See how there you pull, you moved your finger. You're, you're pulling the trigger where I couldn't see that by just watching because that little slight little movement when they pull back, you know, that's what's nice about now is because we can just take our cell phone out, we'll record real quick and play it back. It's like, oh, okay, here we're at. Yep. One of the things, I am not a technology guy. I, I'm computer illiterate uh, and I never, ever saw myself owning a selfie stick. <laughs> you know when when we started working on alignment you know you it's really hard to see alignment or to show somebody their alignment from ground level so right I selfie stick and it's one of the extendable selfie sticks and i can hold it above their head and take video or take pictures and then uh there's an app that it's actually you can't get it anymore but called coaches eye and i, I bet you're familiar with the coaches eye app um, I still have it on my phone, even though it can't be serviced, I still use it. And I'll video from above with that coach's eye app, and then you can draw lines and say, okay, you know, this is the alignment we're looking for. This is the alignment that you're currently in. You know, here's where we need to adjust. It is so helpful, so helpful to be able to do that. But, you know, even 10 years ago, if you would have asked me, would I be using a cell phone to help coach a kid? I'd have thought you'd have <laughs> your mind. You know, the yeah, time now. Yeah, it's it, the technology is is really nice when we get the chance to use it, and it's you know that allowed me to, um, you know, coach somebody. My, my very first coaching student, he's in the group now, so he may hear this, may not. But I was talking to him, and you know, he didn't have a coach nearby. I says, hey, you know, I'm thinking about starting an online coaching program. Um, let me, you know, help you out for free just to see if it's going to work. And so I was going through and he'd send videos and I critique him back and, you know, he got better. And, and, you know, I'm in Nebraska in the United States and he was in Italy. Right. And it, you know, it was really good. And then, you know, I like to thank him, you know, because he invited 800 of his friends into the group, <laughs> you know? So, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's what we can do now with this technology is we don't have to worry about, you know, where you're located. And you know what that stuff was going through here, well, a couple of years ago and still going through, I think sometimes, you know, do you want to have to go somewhere to a coach when you can just sit in your own basement and be coached in your own basement and you don't have to drive anywhere, just in a target? Um, you know, the convenience of that is, 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 you know, quite a bit is like, 
you know, you get a hold of your coach. It's like, hey, I'm having trouble with this, you know, and then you got to meet somewhere. And so you're spending hours doing that where you can just like, oh, okay, well, let me let me see you shooting. And then you can record it like I do on a Zoom call. I just record it. He can play it back. It's like, right. okay, turn different, you know, move your camera to a different spot and, and do this again. And you can work through lots of problems and you don't have to drive down to the range. Just have some place right. to shoot. I agree. But, you know, even with that, and, and I do a lot, I do FaceTime a lot, you know, especially, you know, uh, kids that are maybe thinking about coming to college and shooting with us, you know, we'll, you know, especially once they've signed, um, you know, we'll do a, a, a FaceTime call. But I still, again, I'm old school. I still, <laughs> there's no way to replace actually being able to put my hands on the shoulders and say, this right. is the position that I want you to be in. You know, now you have to be a lot more careful about that these days than what we used to be as well. Right. But still, uh, there's there's no replacement for being able to put my hands on your shoulders or my hand on your elbow and say, this is the position I want you to be in because then they actually feel it. Right. I, not the best at explaining those things, uh, you know, over a FaceTime call. But if I can, if I can put my hands there, then I can make you understand. So I, you know, I, although I do a lot of FaceTime stuff, I still much, much prefer the face-to-face if, if it can be done. Yeah. And, and I, I, I enjoy that more, but you know, it's, it's kind of nice to be able to do it from a distance, right? but you know, when somebody's not lined up, you know, when their arm is over in front of them, they're not understanding. It's like, okay, figure out the trigger. Okay, here. And then just kind of in a position, oh, okay, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, you move in that position and you can't do that, you know, on, on you know, video. But, and you can show them all you want. And it's like, you know, they still don't get it. But if you just, like you said, if I could just move you one time and, you know, that's, you know, like I said, nowadays, you know, people get so paranoid of being touched and right um you know as as long as you know all your students know okay this is to fix your form that's nothing else and it's just i'm just helping you do your form and i uh, kind of like you know gymnasts i know one guy i know was a uh, um uh, gymnastic instructor and when they're doing their flips and stuff they got their hands on them all the time because they're they're helping them rotate and right <laughs> so they're touching but it's not it, it it's completely different you know there's nothing else involved in it. it's like i'm helping you with your problem right and you know that's that's the thing you know you know if your students all understand that it's like you know here you do it yeah. one time okay you're in position okay i get it now and then now you can say okay you get back to that position and they know where to go back to and it's just like when we did earlier on on pulling trigger for somebody else you know, now they felt what the surprises felt like. And it's like, it should feel like that every time. If it doesn't, you're pulling the trigger. Right. And, you know, one time's all you need. And then you can just tell them, hey, you need you need to have that surprise release and then go back to your blind bail shooting if you have right. to. And, and then go back to, you know, whatever you need to to go back to to, to get that technique back. And and you're right. There, there's a lot of paranoia about being touched, but there's also a lot of paranoia about touching, you know, and, and I find that with myself. And typically when I've got a new athlete or one, you know, that may not be part of the team that I'm face to face with, I will actually tell them, okay, I'm going to touch you now. I'm going to put my hands on your shoulders, you know, and so that they're not surprised and they know what's happening. And I think sometimes it makes them feel a little bit more comfortable as well, because a lot of them, you know, they don't know me. 
Right. And, and I, I think, you know, that, that there, you don't have that element of surprise. All of a sudden you're behind them and you lay your hands on their shoulders. You're like, oh, what was that about? You know, I'm, I'm going to touch you now. I'm going to push your shoulders where I want them to be. And, uh, you know, once once the relationship is established, then that I don't feel like is is that important anymore. But in right. the in the beginning especially with the younger kids you know and, and i like on the younger ones i like to have their parents present as well uh going through that so that they you know they understand you know coaching the pervert you know he he's <laughs> his hands on your shoulders so that he can show you the proper position you know and uh, we, we've not had any problems but i sure don't want to create any problems where they're not right there. yeah that's you know, that, that's just the way we have to do things a little bit differently today than we did before. And, you know, everything's evolving, changing. Right. Um, you know, once you build, like you say, once you build that relationship, then it's like, ah, no big deal. Right. You know, it's not like you're always going up and you're, you're touching them all the time. And, you know, if they get the shoulder, you just say, drop your shoulders. It's like, okay. Right. Then they remember what, what position you put them into. And it's not like you have to touch them all the time. But you, know, you want them to you want them to do whatever they're going to do. It's just they just need to understand, you know, how to get there. And that's the easiest way to do it. And, you know, and, and you said it just a second ago, uh, the relationships, you know, that's such a big part of coaching. You have to have it's not always a good relationship, but you have to have a relationship with your students that right. they understand what you want and, and you understand what they expect. And that that open two way communications, you know. How did that feel to you as an archer? And that that back and forth is so important, uh, or you know, you're never going to get anywhere from a coaching standpoint if you're not able to have that open back and forth communication. So relationships to me are extremely important in, in any type of coaching endeavor, but probably more so in archery because it is such a personal sport. Right. You know, it's an individual sport, but like you said, you know, you have teams. But it's an individual sport. It's, you know, you're doing what you're doing by yourself. It's not like in, you know, in football where, you know, it's a team sport. You know, one person can't do everything because they can't snap the ball. They can't throw the ball or pass it off. You know, so the person that has the ball to snap it isn't the one that does anything except one task. So it has to be a whole team. Well, right. in archery, you know, you're working as a team on certain events, but you're still, it's individually. It's you shooting the bow against right. your target. And the better you do, the better things are. Um, you know, it, it's an injury, you know, like shooting, um, you know, target, clay targets, you know, shooting trap or ski. You know, it's an individual, but you still have a team, you know, and that's just kind of all, all the same thing. It's like, did you do better today than you did yesterday? And right. If not, why not? 1% <laughs> improvement every day. Yeah. Well, I know we're getting close to our hour and you have something you got to do. Um, what are your, your parting thoughts that you like to tell the audience? Um, archery's fun. And I, I hope everybody will take advantage of any opportunities they have to participate. There are people out there that will help you and will enjoy helping you to learn. Uh, collegiate archery is available for you high schoolers and, and high school parents. Uh, you know, the, the money that you put into equipment is an investment in their future because there are lots of scholarships and lots of scholarship money 
available to, to shoot a bow in college. Um, and it's, I mean, it's fun. You know, collegiate archery is truly fun. Uh, we do work hard, but we have a good time. And uh, the family dynamic that we see, at least in, in our program at Lindsey Wilson College, is basically the same dynamic that you see at the ASA shoots and so forth, to where everybody is friends and friendly and willing to help each other. Uh, you know, so I, I would encourage anybody that's interested to take advantage of the opportunities that are out there to learn, to begin to compete, to, to begin to compete and to have a good time, um, you know, and reach out to your college coaches. If it's something that you're interested in, you know, reach out and, and allow them to help you to, to give you the guidance to move forward to take advantage of those opportunities. So if they wanted to get a hold of you and, and maybe attend your college, how would they get a hold of you? Um, we, we do have a Facebook page. It's LWC Blue Raider Archery is, is one way. Uh, my email, if they would like to email me, it's uh, E-L-A-M-M at lindsey.edu, and that's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. Um, you know, uh, on the Lindsey Wilson uh, website, you know, there's a link to athletics and, and contact information is on there. Uh, my personal Facebook page, my wife's Facebook page, our youth program, Tucka Sea Archery, yeah, I'm, I'm not hard to find. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a, a link in the description uh, on here if anybody wants to get a hold of you, and that Absolutely. way it make it a little easier for you. Um, maybe we can get more, more students for you. Sounds great. I sure do appreciate it, and thank you for having me on. I, I really enjoyed visiting with you. Yeah, I, that's why I like doing this. You know, this it's, it's so much fun talking to archers all over the world. Right, and you do a good job. You do a really good job with it. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm Roy Cantabrave, and your host today, Archer Talk 101, with Mark William on the Archer Talk podcast, and we will see you later. <laughs>